Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. My very special guest is acclaimed around the world as Australia's panoramic prince. Ken Duncan says he's an average photographer with a great God, and his work over the last quarter of a century is as an interpreter of God's creation. He was born to missionary parents serving in the Kimberley in Western Australia, and there began a deep emotional, spiritual relationship with that beautiful region of Australia and with many, many other beautiful places on the land and around the world. Ken Duncan, welcome to Open House. Thank you very much. I don't think I've been called a prince before. <laughs> this good. is a first for you, mate. It's Coming great up. to meet you, and thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, mate. You're very much steeped in the Australian landscape with a very deep connection to it, aren't you? Well, you know, I was very blessed. Um, at a very young age, I pursued trying to make money and all that sort of stuff because when I left school, my teacher told me, that I'd be the least likely person to succeed he'd ever met. Teachers are great like that, aren't they? <laughs> and I thought, thanks for the encouragement. I, like, I, I couldn't help myself. I said, as long as I don't become a teacher, I'll consider myself a success at whatever I do, you know? Gotcha. But it was, you know, I had another teacher who also inspired my love for photography. But at 16, I was taking photographs. You know, when I first saw a black and white photo come up in a tray that I'd taken that morning and I'm processing it, it was like an epiphany. And I saw I can take pictures that can tell a story. So I realized the power then, and that was probably the detriment of all my schoolwork because I was just obsessed with photography. But then I went off and turned my my love into a so-called money-making thing. And, uh, you know, we got involved in selling big equipment. And I started to lose, you know, the actual taking. I was talking more photography than taking so I got to a point where I'd amassed all these so-called possessions that are meant to make people happy, and it wasn't working for me. And then all of a sudden we found out about these panoramic cameras that we were bringing in from overseas, and I took one off on a surfing trip to Bali. Wow. And when I came back, I saw these photos of, of creation. And, and oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have called it that then because I was definitely no Christian, but I saw these photos... And I thought, this is the way I want to see. This is what I want to do. And when I came back, I just decided, that's it. I'm leaving my job. I was three months away from long service leave. In those days, that was thousands of dollars. And you didn't get it, you know. You had to either make the 10 years or you didn't make the 10 years. But it didn't matter. I had to leave on this journey to go back to the Kimberleys because my dad was going back there to spend time with the Aboriginals up there. And for me, I just thought, this is very important. And I'm going off with this new camera I've got to find a meaning to life. There's got to be more than what I'm doing here. So that's how it started. Yes, a very important part of your journey was this very deep connection and nurturing with Australia's Indigenous community. Well, when I went up there, you know, I had all the opinions of a city boy and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, they were very gracious to me because of my my dad. (laughs) And they put up with me. They tolerated me, I think. But then (laughs) as we went out bush... You know, one of the classic things, we're looking for this cave. And I was constantly saying to this Aboriginal guy, uh, who's this old fella, so how far is it? And he says, oh, a little bit long way. Maybe one jump up, maybe two, which is a hill. And I'm going, okay. So we'd go up about four or five hills, and then I'd say, so how far now? And he'd go, oh, a little bit long way again, you know. And i go, oh, man. So this went on for days, a little bit long way, one jump up, maybe two. 
And then finally I sort of lost it. I said, look, you've been telling me about all these jump-ups. And I said, hello, how far is, is this cave? And he just looked at me and said, does it really matter? Shouldn't the journey just be as important as the destination, you know? And I'm just going, right, wow. okay, just begin to sense what's happening. Once you do that, we'll then get to the cave. And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to find it? And then they started really messing with my mind. They said, you've got to find this cave. And the way you find it is that you find a piece. Should I go this way? Should I go that way? And I'm thinking, that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) But I started to do it. And I started to relax. I started to forget about when we're going to get there. And and it's for them. They wanted me to discover the cave. And um, so off we went. And this is what happened now. Um, it, he started telling me, you've got to learn to feel the land. You've got to learn to feel what's happening. And this is what they taught me. And this is like, I love this because I know it now as God's creation. You can. That's why I'm an average photographer with a great okay, God because yes. I'm often out there thinking, God, what are we doing out here? You're like, hello, <laughs> could you just give me a bit of help here? Yes. And he's never let me down you know, in that area. So it's, it's actually going out and being out of control. And relaxing. And learning about time. And, and letting, yeah, look, time, letting go of that. And then mm. as you do that, you'll begin to really see what's happening. Like, the thought of control for us is laughable, really. Yeah. We're on a planet traveling 108,000 kilometers per hour, hurtling through space. And for a side salad, I think we're uh, rotating at 1,700 kilometers per hour. And here's a little human on Earth saying, I'm in control. I'm in control. If God puts the brakes on, man, you'll see how much control you've got. Did you find the cave? Look, we didn't. But it was so funny because I was there with my dad and this this Christian man who's uh, called Howard Coates. And he was a great friend of my dad. was his missionary up there. But he was a biblical scholar, and he'd keep talking to me. I was arguing because I was anti-Christian, so I'd be trying to challenge this guy all the time, but he just knew the Bible so well that he'd he'd just blow me away. Every argument I ever had, he just wouldn't stand up. And so we're out there, and we got to this valley, and I I knew that the cave was in that valley, and we'd run out of time because we had to – we were in – wilderness country here we didn't even know we we're going to be able to get back you know like it took us weeks to walk into this area and we had to walk back out again and we we're living off the land and we had to exit to, to get out and then what happened is probably only about five years ago howard went back in this friend of mine and found the cave it was a significant cave it was called uh Gray's cave one of the early explorers found it and was meant to have all these so-called magical things about it or important archaeological things anyhow when i went there i went to the cave i flew in by a helicopter a lot easier than walking in i yes. tell you <laughs> we, we went in there and in there was a bottle that howard had left there and he'd left a note and he said in the note he said ken i know you'll get here and it was exactly where we thought it was how many years had elapsed well, this is about 25 years, 20 wow. years or something, 25, 20 years, yeah. So, And I was just in tears because that man had a real impact in my life because he he just, he loved me. Like I was, you know, no Christian by any means. I was traveling with a girl and he didn't judge me because I wasn't married or anything like that. He just loved me. And he's actually, you know, we had some situations where we ran out of money because we had a problem with my cameras. They all broke down. And here's this man saying, 
look, I, I've got $500 in my bank account. You take it. I, why do I need it? He's 75 or something. I'm thinking most people I know at that age, they're always thinking about their money and have I got yes. enough to get to the end. Yeah. Not this guy. And not that I took his money, but I just thought this is a real Christian. This man's faith is not in the world. His faith's in God. And he was so respected by the Aboriginals. And so he he had such impact. And to find that cave later on, he really the cave wasn't the important thing. The important thing was spending that time with Howard and my dad and with the Aboriginals learning to humble myself. And with that faith that he nurtured you in, it opened your eyes more broadly to the creation, enriched that. Yeah, well, you, you know, if you want to be truly creative, get to know the creator. See, most people either rely on shock value or, you know, rather than be creative, they're imitative. Yes. <laughs> they're just doing what everybody else is doing, you know. And you can't, you know, so I'm excited because, you know, people often say, which is your favorite shot? And I'll just always say the next one because yeah. it's a journey and it's such a fun journey because I'm always thinking, well, God, what are you going to do now? And God's always about taking you beyond, 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 beyond your comfort zones. And, you know, with us, we tend to, humanity tends to always want to find a comfort zone. And that comfort is the biggest killer on a spiritual journey, you know, because all of a sudden we become comfortable. <laughs> and if you ever say that to God, like, you know. Look out. Yeah, well, well, it's like I was very comfortable doing Australia, you know, Ken Duncan, Australia-wide. And this is where... A, one night, about three o'clock in the morning, I'd be—I was a Christian by this stage. God gave me a message, and it said, "If America abandons in God we trust off their money, I will abandon them as a nation." And I'm thinking, "Hello, God, you're talking to the wrong person." I'm Ken Duncan, Australia-wide. The perfect time to talk to American—they're all awake over there right now. You should be talking to one of them. Yeah. And I thought, look, not being disrespectful, but. If this is you, let's talk about it in the morning because I re figured if it's God, I'll remember. So the next morning I wake up. The first thing I think, why am I going to go to America? I think, what would you want me to do this for? And I just felt he wanted me to do a book on all 50 states of America for them to get focused back on the God they say they trust. And so I went off and did that. Now, the thing is that when I did it, I thought, well, God, if you give me a million dollars, I can do this project, no worries. So I went down the road with all the publishers, and the publishers, publishers said, yep, we'll do the book, let's do it. But they said, and I'd had a specific title for the book called America Wide, In God We Trust. But when I talked to the publisher, they said, oh, look, that's um, we can't really have that because that's politically incorrect. Yes. And I was saying, hello, it's on your money. Come on, you know. <laughs> Can you give me all your money? <laughs> Great point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they didn't give me their money. It wasn't that politically incorrect. Yeah. Anyhow, they said, look, we'll do it, but we've got to, we can't have that God factor. And I said, well, you know what? That's non-negotiable because otherwise it'll just be another boring book of pictures. Mm. And so they said, well, how are you going to do it? And I said, well... I've got a big God, and, you know, I'll do it myself. And they said, but this is America. And I said, mate, us Australians, we can do anything. And so, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, so we ended up doing it. And, um, you know, when I came back to my wife, we put everything on the line again, um, which was constantly my seems, seems to be my journey. God gives us an idea, always more expensive than I've got any money. And off we go and do it. What a gracious, trusting wife. Yeah, well, sure, I came back to her and I said, darling, look, the only way we're going to be able to do this project is, is if we put all the money in ourselves and that's more than we've got. 
so we could lose everything. Are you okay? And she said, well, we don't own it anyhow. God owns it, so what's the problem? Wow. And I'm going, well, I knew that. I was just, just checking. You know. <laughs> but, the, the stunning part of this story is how it ended up. Well, yeah. And, you know, what happened is um, we did all 50 states of America, and as I did it, you know, God was speaking to me about what was happening in America. I was there when they took prayer out of schools. I was there when I saw the Columbine. I was there when all these were wanting to take the Ten Commandments out of the law and all this sort of stuff. And um, anyhow, John Howard found out about the fact that I was doing this book and he asked if I could get grab a copy because we finally did it. And um, he said, I'd like to give it to George Bush as a gift from Australia. And what was very unusual, he allowed me to write a letter because normally if you send a book to a dignitary, it's like you only get to say their title. You yes. don't want to get political or anything. No. <laughs> and so I said, you know, Mr. Bush, the reason I've done this book is to remind America of the God they say they trust because it's the only thing that will actually hold you strong for the troubled times ahead. And um, that book was given to George Bush the day before September the 11th. And then George Bush wrote back to me through the crisis when they were bombing Afghanistan, and he uh, said, um, Ken, thank you. At a time when I've had to make some of the most difficult decisions for my nation, I would sit and look upon the beauty of my nation and be reminded what an awesome God we serve. And so on behalf of himself and his wife, Laura, and I was like, whoa, God. And it's still not finished. You know, I, I really have a burden for America. I think America is under spiritual attack. Everybody's, the minorities are trying to take away their faith and their foundation in God. And Christians need to rise up, not in a way of aggressively, but they need to rise up and proclaim Christ because he is the only thing that is going to keep us strong or anyone strong in that nation. And as they do that, then they will get the right leaders. When you sit back and reflect on that story from 3 o'clock in the morning I know. and how it played out, what do you think of God? Look, he's awesome. I'm I'm pretty slack sometimes because it, it took us 10 years to get to that. Maybe I'm a bit slow. I, <laughs> I look, I do argue with God quite often. I've never won one, but you know, he knows exactly <laughs> he knows exactly what you're thinking. Yeah. And out in the bush sometimes if you actually saw me, I'm sort of sitting there going, "You got to be kidding me. How can that be?" And, you know, but he's Just so wait. gracious. Yeah. He's so gracious and you need to know, you know, God is a God of miracles and often people say to me, "Well, can, you know, um how can I, you know, how can I believe in a God? And I said, well, look, just open your heart. That's the start, and just say, okay, God, if you're real, show me who you are. If he can't, throw him away because he's not much of a God. And I know that if God, if people just open their heart a little bit, he will show you who he is miraculously. He's also a God of different timing to us. Again, yeah. the timing thing comes. He in. does, you know, and time to him, I've realised has no relevance. You know, like to us it does because we're in this time zone, but. He sees something that's already happened in, in his mind. And what we're going to do is, once we get a, something that God's spoken to us, not get freaked out, just keep going, keep going, keep going, and make sure you don't get sidelined. Don't give up, don't give up. Because, you know, on that journey, I didn't have enough money to do that book. I only had enough money to do three states. I said, okay, God, we'll start. We'll give everything we've got, but this is going to be the smallest book on America you've ever seen. <laughs> and what happened, though? The way God provides is miraculous. But often you've got to get to that point where you need it. And, yeah. you know, we're I'd done the leaf peeping season over in, you know, um, Vermont and all the beautiful fall colours, and we're running low on money. And what happened there, I had a problem with an airline, and they wanted to charge me $2,000 just for two tickets 
in a in the country and I'm thinking, oh, that's not fair, that's not fair. And then God said to me, claim it, sow it as a seed. What do you mean? I thought, pay the money and then believe that they're going to give you a hundredfold return. So I thought, okay, this is really cool. So the Lord, I'm claiming, a, I'm going to claim this as a seed. I planted it. That company ended up giving me 200000 American dollars to oh. as one of the sponsors. You know, so... He sometimes the things that look to be bad, he turns to good. So it's, I tell you, when you let go and let God, life can get very exciting. But you know, it, well, I love it in here. What a ride on Open House! We're with Ken Duncan. Ken, when you read your story and read what you've done in your life, I am left to conclude you have to be one of the most patient men, especially when it comes to photography in the world. And I say that as a grossly impatient person. Well, I think I God may allowed me to be a landscape photographer because I had to deal with patience. Oh, did I did. Yeah. I was one of those impatient people too, you know. Yeah. But the thing is that, you know, God's just. I've realised that God's got a bigger picture in life than we have, and what impatience is all about is when we're trying to get things the way we want it, you yeah. know, and we're locked into something. It's like we're so busy trying to get to somewhere by time that. We're not really really looking at what's happening on the way. You will sometimes wait for hours, even days, for well, the right light on the right shot. Yeah, because it's all about, for me, the moment. And it's fun waiting. Like, you know, like, I think sometimes he keeps me waiting because he likes to, God likes to spend time with us, you know. And you don't have to get religious and, you know, oh, Heavenly Father, wherefore art thou? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he knows wherefore art where he is. It's You're the problem. In a church building. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, he, he's there, you know. And and so often I just go there and go, okay, God, what's happening and waiting? And I believe if you humble yourself in nature, you'll sense his presence. And, you know, what will happen is, you know, all of a sudden you'll you'll start to see the patterns of the weather and things all of a sudden evolve. And you or when that moment happens, bang, you're on it. But you've got to wait, and sometimes the best shots, they're going to take effort. They're going to, you're going to have to wait. Sometimes I get very blessed, and I just get there, and it all happens at once. But if it all was always was like that, you wouldn't really appreciate it. And yeah, you have to be free though of a lot of pressure, especially time pressure. Well, look, we all have pressure, and the thing is, you know, but I am willing to let go of that. You see, Aboriginals, you don't have a lot of stress, you know. These days I do because they become more like white people, you know, a lot. But you know, they had this thing called walkabout. You know, if it all gets too much, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm going. Yes. You know, so that's why they just go. And this is the same same with us. Like so, sometimes I've been on the way to very important meetings, you know, down in Melbourne, and, and on this, and all of a sudden I go by and I see this field of flowers with this building there, and I think, wow, check that out. You know? <laughs> now all I start thinking is, I've got a very important meeting in Melbourne. I'm meant to be on a journey. I can see something here. I'm sensing God. What am I going to do? I'm going to stop. And so I stop and I go in there and I ring up the person and say, look, I'm really sorry. I will not be able to make the meeting. I said, but what's happening? Look, I'm having a God moment. I may say I'm really stupid. But I just say, look, there's this really good shot. I've just got to do it. I'll be there. I'll be there. Please forgive me, but I'll be there. And don't, you know, and that's by waiting. You know, yeah. you've got to stop. Sometimes mm. there's something more important. It's like I'm on a journey to photograph. When I was, I had to shoot um, Hawaii, and it was one of the states of America. 
my assistant breaks his hand before he gets there. So I've got all this camera gear I've got to carry, and I go there anyhow, think, okay, I'm there to shoot Hawaii and the islands. I get there, and my friend and his wife are in trauma. There's, like, really bad stuff going down. I can sort of sense it, but I'm going to take photos, don't I? So I go down that end that afternoon to take photos, and God speaks to me while I'm there saying, you need to say this to this friend of yours and his wife. And I'm thinking, well, what for? You know, okay, well, okay. So I go back, and I'd only met this, my friend's new lady in his life. And so I said what I felt God had told me to say. And um, all of a sudden, she just runs out of the room crying, you know, and I'm thinking, great God, that's oh, good really one. good yes. value. <laughs> How to alienate your, go- your mate's girlfriend in yeah. one session. And then he goes out chasing her. Then he comes back and I'm saying, man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, you know, I just thought that's what I was meant to say. He said, man, you cannot understand what you've just said. She knew you were a Christian and she said to God, she was having a real bad things going on in her life. And she said, I know this Ken Dung is a Christian. And I, if he's a Christian and you're real God, I want you to use this man to say these things. And they were exactly the things I said. So the next minute, they all want to know about the story of Jesus. And I'm meant to be taking a photograph of a book. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what do I do? What's more important? Yeah. Okay, I thought, I've got to tell them about Jesus. And my assistant's not even here anyhow. And I'm thinking, okay. So I spent all day. They just wanted to know. And I'm bat- glad you're patient. Yeah, and then we baptized them in, in pipeline. Man, talk about in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get hit by this Bang. huge wave, you know. <laughs> we all got baptized. But it was just so exciting. And yeah. You could see the transformation. These people who are in all this stuff going on, the next minute they're set free. They're really powering on. And to this day, they're really powering on for the Lord. And he's one of the best surf photographers in the world. And it's just, you know, but you know what? God gave me shots from their place. I just, when we had a break, I just go, I'll just go quickly take a shot. Bang, go and take a shot. And I got all these shots anyhow in such a miraculous time. So I think if you put him first... Or, you know, often along the way, you, you meet a person and they're more important than a photograph. You, you need to spend some time and just share on them a love on them. Yeah. If you do that, then God will give you the shot as a byproduct. Talk to me about your Walk a While project. Well, Walk a While comes from Indigenous people have this philosophy that if you really want to know me, you need to be prepared to walk a while with me. And that's what my dad did up in the Kimberleys as a missionary. He didn't go up there to bash them over there with a Bible. He went there to teach them skills in mustering cattle and things like that and showed his Christianity in who he was. And so for me, I was out in Central Australia and there's some exciting stuff happening out there with the indigenous people where they have their own spiritual revival going out there Christian. It's definitely a Christian-based thing. And so I was out there with this happening and I was so moved by it that um, I want to spend more time out there. So for the last seven or eight years, we're working out there in the creative arts and we're trying to set up an art centre out there where we're going to build an art centre, creative art centre, not dot painting, but photography, <laughs> cinematography and music making. So we've got the plans drawn up now, so we're trying to build that so that we can go out there and walk a while with them to educate some of the new generation with uh, the you know photography, cinematography, music. And we've got some really great, talented people who have offered to come and help us, but it'll be a part of an ongoing program there. To, and we'll be walking a while. And any person who comes out there to walk with these people, they're going to get probably more blessed than we're going to be sure. a blessing to them. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> but that's what happens when you walk together. And uh, so... 
that's where I really want to spend more time because we have a real problem in our country and uh, of division and inequity and we the people need to deal with it, not the government. The more the government gets involved, the more politics that gets involved, the further the divide. So it comes down to people with whatever gifts or talents they've got. Well, I'd love to have you out there, Lee, because oh, you can teach them how to I'd do love this to go, radio yeah. thing. You know? I'd love to. So this is it, walk a while. So and as you walk a while, we all get blessed. Great stuff. I said before I wanted to ask you about two particular shots of the thousands of brilliant photographs you've taken. First hidden treasure. Can you tell me the story of how that happened? Well, <laughs> hidden treasure is a funny one because um, we were actually aiming for another waterfall. <laughs> we were told <laughs> these directions, and often people will say, "Oh, you can't miss it." When people say, <laughs> "When people say that, get a mud map or something," because usually you do miss it. Yeah. Then we were up in the Kimberleys in a very remote location, and some guy told us some gorge. Well, we went up the wrong one, didn't we? And he told us, oh, it's only a short walk in, you know. Oh, not, so, not one of those. So we're walking in and we're climbing. There's this little trickle of water going on there. And I'm thinking, man, this is a lot more than just, you know, a K or half a K. This is serious climbing and it's really hot and we're getting really, um, you know, sort of bit dehydrated and we're drinking some of the water out of the creek <laughs> we could get to. And then we just kept going and it ended up about four Ks. We had to walk in and finally we reached this cliff Thing, still thinking there's got to be this waterfall somewhere and uh, we climbed this cliff and then I got, got over there and here's this beautiful pool of crystal clear water with all sparkling and this little waterfall going in and I'm just going wow man you know and, and at the time when I photographed it I didn't think it would be actually possible to get the shot because the water was sparkling so much it was like mirror balls you know all these and reflecting off the walls of the gorge but what happens is when I took the exposure, all those little mirror balls actually lit all the sides and it sort oh, of worked. Wow. And then when I took the photo, I was I'm in that pool. So we dove in it and it was fantastic. And then when I went back to the guy, I said, man, that wasn't half a kilometre or something. That was kilometres. He said, where'd you go? And I said, I told him, well, you went the wrong gorge, you idiot. And I said, right. That was so, good enough for you, though. So that was a funny one. So yeah. actually, and the one, I actually went back and saw the one they were looking at, and ours was much better. So, Fantastic. So, I'm the, not surprised at that. Yeah, so. the moral of the story is often God's got a better plan for you yeah, than the absolutely. one you've got. Second shot, Emerald Waters. Uh, Emerald Waters was a funny one because um, I had a young photographer, great guy uh, over in Western Australia who was showing me up in the Pilbara, and he told me about a place he'd heard about, and he said, oh, it's a bit hard to get to, so we should go. Do you think you can do it? And I thought, I'm not going to have the younger generation, you know, us old guys, we can do it too. I said, yeah. sure, mate, let's do it. So we end up climbing into this gorge and you had to really climb in. Uh, yeah, it was serious climbing to get into this, this thing, this waterfall. And then we, had to, we couldn't actually see and we just had to jump into this waterfall and allow it to pitch us over this waterfall <laughs> into this... You know, it was meant to be a pool down the bottom there. So um, we get there, and I said to the guy, have you actually done this before? Oh, no, I've heard, just heard about it. And I'm like, great, here we are, perched on the edge of a waterfall, not knowing what's at the bottom of this waterfall. And I thought, I thought well, let's just do it anyhow. So I dropped, I threw my camera case over. Oh, my goodness. And we listened for any hard sounds, and it seemed to splosh pretty well. And then we threw our inner tube, we had inner tubes, threw that over. And so the next minute we just jumped in this waterfall and he <laughs> allowed it to pitch us over. And once we'd done that, it was like we, there was no going back because we couldn't. And, you know, <laughs> at the point no. I just thought, I really believe I'm meant to do this. And 
my fear, you know, I, was, I came up with all these, well, what happens if there's rocks down the bottom and what happens if we can't get out? Sure. All these things started to try and rob me, and I think fear can often try and rob you from some of the greatest blessings. And so the next minute we thought, we're there, we're committed, we've thrown over, we can't get back out again. And so we waited, and we, we had to get out of this gorge, so we knew it was going to be a long swim, and we, we'd been told sort of how to get out, but we weren't sure. But the next minute I'm waiting for the right light, because we need the light to be perfect. Mm. And the guy's saying, we can't really wait, we don't even know how to get out yet. But then I thought, no, no, it'll be okay, and we waited, then all of a sudden, man, the light just went perfect, we got the shot. Then we had to swim down a clone, one gorge, about three k's on this inner tube. It was so amazing though, because no one there. We're just on this inner tube, and there's this big eagle coming down into the gorge and oh. mirrored reflections. Anyhow, it was just an amazing oh. time, and I got a couple of good shots down there. And then we finally thinking, how do we get out? Some guy told us you look for a scree in these gorge, and we're trying to find it. And then finally, right as it's getting dark. <laughs> We think, oh, that looks like maybe a way to get out. And so we finally get out of this gorge. We're in the middle of nowhere. We don't know where we are. And um, But we had a satellite phone, and I was able to ring up my assistant, who didn't really want to come on this journey. <laughs> and I said, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah, he that's it. right. And we rang him up on our sat phone to his sat phone, and I said, quick, can you just drive the car around oh. and give us an idea where there's roads around here, and we'll find you. And so he drove around, and we found him, and we got out. But we got the shots, and, you know, like that one, I love it because I'm not in a hurry to go back and get it, but <laughs> you had to deal with some of your fears to get the shot. Can you talk to me about light? And it's very different in Australia, isn't it? No light, no photo. That's no, to start no. off with. And, you know, yeah. and what I love about it is light, it, it changes in character. Um, it's much harsher in Australia in, than, say, European light. But... Um, it's just sensing the light, whatever's happening, learning to use that. You know, often these days I'm sitting there waiting for a shot to happen and along will come someone with their very expensive cameras because they think that's going to make it work, the camera. Yeah. And they'll take the shots and then they'll just leave and I'm sitting there going, have I missed something here? Which is highly likely I could quite easily miss something. But I, I, and I say to the guy, now, weren't we actually shooting there? And he said, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. I, I can just put a sky in later in Photoshop. Oh, yeah, and that's I go, the well, thing. Why would you do that? I yeah. mean, by all means, if you want to do that, fine. But there's nothing better than saying you were there yeah. and you experienced that. and Because there's a spiritual dimension to something. And I believe great photos are really gifts from God. And, um, you know, not that's why... And I'm still excited for the next one because I, I just sort of think, well, what are you going to do now? What do you think about the use of Photoshop and do you use it? Well, I think Photoshop's a reality that everybody uses to a certain degree. But I think there should be two schools of photography. There should be photorealism and there should be photo illustration. And I'm not saying one is any better than the other because okay. I've got a friend of mine who does amazing photo illustration where he uses elements to create an artwork. Different story. But I think... With uh, photorealism, there has to be a feeling that if the people go there, they can actually see that and experience that same thing if the conditions are right. So I always aim to show the beauty of God's creation, not the beauty of my Photoshop skills. Can I put to you one quote that I read of yours about where you work? The vast emptiness of these landscapes does something to people. Nature has the ability to unmask you, and people are often scared of that. They are. People are scared of facing themselves and their own fears. 
and that's what nature does. But you know what? They've just done studies lately uh, that have actually clinically proven that landscape really does bring about healing into your spirit, into your into your mind and every part of your body. So I think one of the things we do, we need to get connected back to nature. It's not scary. It's the opposite. Like when I look at the stars, I don't think, oh my gosh, look at all those stars. They're going to fall on me. I think, wow, man, those stars... If they're all up there and God can create them, there's nothing impossible for him. Why do you think it scares people, though? Because it makes you realize how small you are. But you know what? When you realize how small you are, then you can sort of really see how big God is. Yeah. Your vision statement is simple yet huge. It's to show the beauty of God's creation. I think it's interesting that that vision has so transformed you personally and so impacted you, but also been a great commercial success as well. Well, look, I mean, if you want to make money, probably go into real estate development. (laughs) But God has blessed us. But any money we make, we end up spending again on either um, doing a new project. uh, And, you know, as long as I've got enough to do that, I feel, God, thank you very much, you know, because my wife has got a real heart to give to. Because when I get upstairs, if I get upstairs with a million dollars in my bank account, God's not going to be impressed with that at all. He's going to say, why didn't you use that money while you're on earth to change lives? And I think there's too many people who think money is what it's all about. If you've got lots of money, that's fantastic, but make sure you use it wisely on earth to benefit other people other than yourself. Because I think with power or with all these things comes responsibility. And you know, often people want to blame God But as Mahatma Gandhi said, there's enough in this world for every man's need, not just every man's greed. Yeah. Ken Duncan, it's been an absolute inspiration and privilege meeting you and speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Open House. My pleasure, It's been great to chat. No worries. We hope you enjoy this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.